You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good? I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is a new show of The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy, what's going on, man? Doing all right. Uh, shout out to my aunt who had her birthday on Wednesday. She turned 52. And also shout out to my cousin who has his 16th birthday next week mm. on Thursday. Fun fact about him. He actually was supposed to be due on my birthday. when. What, he, is he pregnant? No. You just said he was due. When he was born. <laughs> well, you just said he was due. So I guess he was the first man his due ever. Date. To give birth. No. Who says due date? That's Ex- the term. No. A due date means that you're pregnant. That's what usually people use. All right. Fine. He was due to come out. Uh, a pop out? Yes. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> On my birthday. It ended up being five days earlier. Uh, how wonderful. Anyways, we got a great show lined up for you guys. A little bit later in the show, we'll be talking to Pro Focus and Sirius XM Fantasy Football radio show host, Brian Drake. He'll be joining us. We'll get into a little bit about radio as a whole. I say radio because the industry is just so crazy, and I just feel that the industry needs to find its way, and a lot of things that I see the industry to be, a lot of other people don't, and I think Brian and me have a, a lot in common when it comes to that. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We'll get into football as well with him. So uh, it'll be fun. If you guys like football, you like fantasy, listen to Brian a little bit later in the show. A lot of topics to get into today, but the main topic we are definitely going to get into first is Donovan Mitchell. The New York Knicks, obviously the lead team to get him. I know there were stories coming out that Miami was a team, Phoenix was a team, two other top-end teams are interested in Donovan Mitchell. But it seems like the only team... That that the Utah Jazz are trying to negotiate right now with is the New York Knicks. As we know, Danny Ainge is not a big New York Knicks fan, so we will get into Donovan Mitchell and where Donovan Mitchell could be heading, and it could very much be the New York Knicks. We're definitely going to get into Kevin Durant and the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, which it seems like it is a sweepstakes that might never happen. The Brooklyn Nets are reaching out to all 30 different teams in the NBA and trying to negotiate crazy offers to get Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I believe that Kevin Durant will be a Brooklyn Net for next season. Can't see any other team right now making a move for Kevin Durant for the amount of players and draft stock that the Brooklyn Nets are looking to get for him. I know Steph Curry reached out to Kevin Durant over the last 72 hours saying that it would be great to have him back over there. I don't know why Kevin Durant would go back to Golden State, but again, Kevin Durant should have never left Golden State. So Errol's worst nightmare. <laughs> yes, because if Kevin Durant does go back to the Golden State, expect the Golden State Warriors to win another championship because I don't see anybody beating them if he heads over there. And I don't know why Adam Silver is sitting here and letting this happen, but whatever. It is the Golden State Warriors. It isn't the L.A. Lakers like they did to Chris Paul and Kobe Bryant years and years ago when the Hornets tried to move Chris Paul to the Lakers. So we'll get into that a little bit later 
as well. We'll get into the New York Rangers as they add and lose pieces. Andrew Kopp, Ryan Strom, Frank Vetrano, and quite a few other players, including Mott, on their way out. Vincent Trocek, who a lot of people thought played very well last year with 21 goals. A big part of the second and third line of the Carolina Hurricanes, one of the best teams in the NHL. Uh, Center, who's a very good face-off winner. We'll get into the New York Rangers. The Islanders have not made any moves out of all 32 teams in the NHL. Who would have thought that the Islanders failed to get Johnny Goudreau, who went to the Blue Jackets, and quite a few other players that they were interested in. They head other places, and the New York Islanders are right now sitting on their hands. Or may I say, Lou Lamorello is sitting on his hands right now trying to figure out where he's going what is his plan b option so we'll get into that a little bit later as well we will get into zach wilson yes it seems like for some reason he is the laugh of the town or if anything the praise of the town as his girlfriend comes out saying that the reason why she broke up with him was because he was messing around with his mother's Girlfriend. I am very interested to see how this breaks even further when OTAs really start to open up and the questions start to come out. But I think she's trying to protect herself because now she's dating his BYU roommate. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm sure Zach loves it. It's a tabloid dream for him here in New York. So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We'll also get into a little bit of baseball as the New York Yankees and New York Mets are going to the All-Star break. The Yankees not playing well. The Mets are playing eh. Okay. The Mets are getting healthy. Doesn't look like Andrew Benatendi will be a New York Yankee anytime soon because he's not getting his vaccinations. And the Yankees aren't going to make a move for a guy that can't play in Toronto. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see what the Yankees do with Joey Gallo and what this team is going to be after the All-Star break, which the Yankees are in a skid right now. I think they're 1-5 or 1-6 in their last seven games. So they haven't played well. The pitching staff has not played well. So... It's going to be very interesting after the All-Star break on what Brian Cashman does and, and what kind of moves they make because, again, even though they're 12 games in first place in their division, they're in the hardest division in baseball with the Baltimore Orioles being as hot as they are, Tampa, Boston, and the Blue Jays. I can't see the Yankees playing like this for the second half and expect to stay in first place. It's too talented. The last two weeks, they've lost three combined games to the Pirates and the Reds. That has to be a little bit alarming. (laughs) Yes, so a lot more in baseball as well. So why don't we get into a little bit of basketball because it seems like here in New York, Donovan Mitchell's name has been dragged along for really the last couple of weeks. And me being one of those guys that said that A couple of weeks ago, I would say about a week and a half ago, he went to dinner with Emmanuel Quigley. He went to dinner with Obi Toppin. And we sit here. Everybody was making jokes at me on the sports lab out saying that I don't know what I'm talking about, that every single player goes out with every other team or every other player that they're friends with. But how do we know that Emmanuel Quigley, who's a young player, is friends with Donovan Mitchell? Now, Emmanuel Quigley is a good, young, growing player on the New York Knicks. Now, he could be a part of the Donovan Mitchell trade. That very much could happen. But right now, Donovan Mitchell, you can see the Utah Jazz are only negotiating with the New York Knicks. And that says a lot about Donovan Mitchell and where he wants to go. Is Donovan Mitchell the superstar the Knicks have been craving for ever since Carmelo Anthony has left? I think he's a lot younger than Carmelo was when he came to the Knicks. I think Carmelo was 29 when he came to the Knicks. Donovan is going to be 26 going into the season. He has three years, the younger type of player for the Knicks to bring in. They can build around Donovan Mitchell. They can build around R.J. Barrett. The question is, when you look at the New York Knicks, 
if they add Donovan Mitchell, if they trade an Obi Toppin and a Grimes and maybe a McBride or other players, maybe even Quigley, possibly five to six first round draft picks, is this going to be enough with Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson, and RJ Barrett? And maybe if they could somehow keep Randall, Julius Randall, which they can if they move Fournier in the trade. If they could do that, they have their four guys that they could build this team around with a good bench, a decent bench, and maybe move forward as an elite Eastern Conference team. You wonder now, with Julius Randle still there as the last kind of big, along with Fournier, big contract, if he is going to be included at this point in the trade, or they might have to deal him in a separate trade if they want to make the money work, unless another team is interested in Fournier. Now, the initial rumors with the direct trades with the Jazz was Quentin Grimes was the guy they were interested Mm -hmm. in most, and the Knicks were most interested in trading the Mitchell Robinson. So it looks like it's going to be a package of both, from what I'm hearing, along with three first-round picks. They have up to eight first-round picks to trade. Obviously, they don't need to trade all of them. Them, but we've heard up to five in certain trades. I also heard a three-way trade, too, including the Cavaliers getting involved as well, where uh, I think Bodan Bodanovic goes from Utah to Cleveland, and Cleveland gives them some first-round picks, too, and the Knicks have to give them, I think, an additional player or something like that, too. But the most likely scenario is going to be Grimes and or Mitchell Robinson at this point. The Knicks brought in Isaiah Hartenstein as a big man, maybe, so maybe they think Mitchell Robinson now dangling him in, in a trade, potentially. The Jazz are loading up with big men already from the Gobert trade, so very interesting that would be the case, but still, it looks like Quentin Grimes is the main trade target, and you mentioned it many times. He's been a trade target throughout the league. It seems like a lot of teams want him. When I watched Quentin Grimes play last year, he reminded me of a young Devin Booker. Now, I don't know if he's going to turn into a player of that magnitude. I don't know, but he has the talent. He has a a great shooting touch at the three-point line. The guy could do everything, and he's a good ball handler. He's playing very well right now for the Knicks in the summer leagues. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Knicks do with Quentin and Grimes, if the Knicks do make the move with the Utah Jazz, Grimes will be the lead guy in the package. We'll see what Utah is going to do with the New York Knicks, if the Knicks are the team that they're going to trade with. Now, it seems like the only team that can make a move for Donovan Mitchell right now is the Knicks, because Miami right now is caught up with this Tyler Hero thing. Tyler Hero has still not signed anywhere else. I think they're trying to maneuver contracts to try to bring Tyler Hero back in Miami. If that happens, they have no room for Donovan Mitchell. Phoenix Looks like they're going to re-sign DeAndre Ayton. I was very surprised with that as the Indiana Pacers gave him a contract offer and then Probably within seven hours, Phoenix matched that offer. So it looks like DeAndre Ayton's going back to Phoenix, and the only player they would probably move DeAndre Ayton for is Kevin Durant. So it doesn't look like Phoenix, even though Donovan Mitchell has said that he would like to go to Phoenix as well, is the team that he would go to. So I don't think it was a coincidence when the Knicks and Julius Randle and Allen Houston and Worldwide West was at the playoff series for the Utah Jazz and the Dallas Mavericks that Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell were playing in that game, that they weren't there trying to recruit. As we all know that the Knicks are going to be fine for the Jalen Brunson signing because of doing illegal things, not following the CBA rules during the season, not to talk to players. They're going to be fined at least a couple hundred thousand dollars. But I don't think the Knicks care. I don't think James Dolan cares about a couple hundred thousand dollars, especially that the Knicks got the point guard that they want and maybe very soon get the superstar that they want, Speedy. Yeah, it seems like as well the official signing of it was 
was taking a while, maybe because they were investigating it too. And luckily they didn't lose any, any draft picks as we know, they'll probably get fined. Yeah. But there was no investigation into full on tampering like we've seen in the past in the NBA. So that's a good sign in terms of the value of the trade for Donovan Mitchell. I actually am encouraged by the fact that it would be just Grimes and Robinson from what I'm hearing. I was thinking Obi Toppin was going to be the centerpiece of the deal for a while with Utah or Emmanuel Quigley as a possibility as a second option, but Toppin, especially with the well-rounded game he has, him being a top 10 pick and thought of as a top five player in that draft in 2020, I would have thought he would have been the centerpiece. So I'm kind of encouraged that the Knicks could be able to keep him. At this point, they're going to keep R.J. Barrett because the trades have gone on too long. If the Knicks, if the Jazz were going to trade for R.J. Barrett, the Donovan Mitchell trade, it would have happened already. It would have happened a while ago. Obi Toppin, I was worried, would be the piece that was going, and it looks like that is not the case. And if it is the case, it might be less picks involved in the trade, too. I am reading that the Heat are also believed to be interested in obtaining Mitchell, but being that there's too much that they're going to have to give up in that trade, and and they're going to have to maneuver salaries with certain players, it's not likely that's going to happen. That's why I know Orlando's name has been brought up uh, because they have a lot of young players and they have a lot of draft stock. I don't know if Donovan Mitchell would be wanting to be traded over there to Orlando. I don't think it's one of those teams that he's targeting to go to. They're not a team that's up and coming, and they're young, and they're going to have talent in the next couple of years as they had the number one draft pick this year who looks like he's going to be a pretty good player. Mm -hmm. But it's going to take a little while. Donovan Mitchell's 26, and he wants to win a championship. So he wants to go to the Eastern Conference. Obviously, you could see that, but... Right now, uh, it's hit a snag right now with the Knicks, and, and everybody expected this to happen. What we're hearing is, is Danny Ainge wants everything but the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> so if that's the case, the Knicks are just not going to throw away all these draft picks because the, the Knicks have 11 first-round draft picks coming up in the next seven years. Right. They're not going to trade away six or seven of them. And they're going to have to give away Quentin Grimes, who was their number one pick last year, who everybody likes. Mitchell Robinson's another name brought in. Derrick Rose and Evan Fournier. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Now, Evan Fournier, it seems like, is the guy that they're going to try to move, not Julius Randle, because they want to keep Julius Randle if they get Donovan Mitchell. Then they have a four that they can build their team around. And that could be as good a four in the Eastern Conference as any team. Up and down, you look at Miami right now. Miami has a good five, but they don't have, as much as I'm not a big Julius Randle fan, Julius Randle could give you 20 and 10. Donovan Mitchell could give you 25 and 7 or something like that. Jalen Brunson, who could give you 16 and 7. R.J. Barrett, who could be a star very soon, who could give you 25 and 10 as well. If you can keep all these guys and bring Donovan Mitchell in, you can build your team. Then you have something to look forward to as a Knicks fan going into next year. As far as the Brooklyn Nets are concerned, this whole Kevin Durant thing is so interesting and a joke because as much as they want to move on from Kevin Durant, I don't think any team is going to make a move for a guy like that for one reason is because they want the world for him. As much as you're seeing Utah and Danny Ainge wants from the Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell, I think they want a hell of a lot more for Kevin Durant. If you're listening to what the Golden State Warriors could be offering, they're offering Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, Wiseman, and maybe Andrew Wiggins and two first-round draft picks. If you look at that, I 
don't see why the Brooklyn Nets don't make that trade. Because they're not getting anything close to that anywhere else. Then we heard the Phoenix Suns offered the Brooklyn Nets a sign-and-trade DeAndre Ayton, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and maybe two first-round draft picks. They wanted four, which it's ridiculous. Nobody's just going to give you first-round draft picks because you don't know where that team's going to be in the next four to five years. Now, let's say Kevin Durant goes to Phoenix. What, how, what is their window? Two years? Chris Paul is how, how many years old? Uh, Chris Paul's 37 years old. He's got another two years. And then all they have is Devin Booker. If I was the Brooklyn Nets, I would make that trade too because it's the bird rights of those picks. If you think about it, you can't trade away every other year's first-round draft pick, which means within every other year, probably in the next four or five years, Phoenix is a lottery team again. Because all they have is Devin Booker. Devin Booker's a great player, but if you don't have another superstar there, Booker can't draw another superstar there, who's going to want to go and play in Phoenix? Not only that, we've also seen Devin Booker kind of like the Kyrie Irving treatment we were talking about a couple weeks ago. When he's just on his own, they haven't gone anywhere when it comes to win value, making the playoffs, just him on his own with the surrounding cast of young players. And a lot of the top picks that have come into Phoenix over the years have struggled because of that kind of thing, where they didn't really have that. Now you're seeing the recent drafts, 18-19 strive when Chris Paul has come in. DeAndre Ayton got better, a lot better, when Chris Paul was there, as did Mikael Bridges. So, yeah, this I definitely this seems like a win-win for both teams if they could somehow get that to work because the Nets need all the depth they can get. They need all the size they can get, and DeAndre Ayton definitely brings that. And then they got two wings to help out, too, and they get all those draft picks to be able to either maneuver or trade for somebody Kyrie Irving wants. I don't know. There's a lot of scenarios. Kyrie Irving is more than likely going to, out of all the players that could be moving from the Brooklyn Nets, it would probably be Kyrie Irving. I can't see the Brooklyn Nets keeping Kyrie Irving. Eventually, I think they're going to just buy right in and just get rid of him. Trade him to the Lakers, get what you can from the Lakers, and get rid of him. I don't see the Nets just giving away Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant, to me, is still the high-profile player that he is. If he didn't get hurt last year, he wins the MVP. And and the Nets would probably be screaming for more in draft picks. So, It's very, very interesting where the Brooklyn Nets could go with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think the Warriors are another interesting one, though, too. Now, they're going to have to probably make the salary cap work more like the Heat does, too. So I think Phoenix probably still has a slight edge. But again, Kevin Durant, if he does want to reunite with Steph Curry, does have the connections already there. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually values going back to the Warriors and his relationship with a lot of those players there. Now, Draymond Green was allegedly the one that was the big reason he came in and then the big reason he left. So that'll be interesting. But he, he also you also said he might be included in the trade as it is. Yep. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get into the NHL as free agency opens up. The New York Rangers lose a lot of players. I mean a lot of players. But they add a couple of new faces. When we come back, we'll get into the Rangers and the New York Islanders as Lou Lamorello sits on his hands because they strike out on Johnny Goudreau here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host. Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a lot to talk about with hockey. It seems like free agency opened up and so many things just happened. And you think that the Islanders were the lead team to get the big-time player. Everybody thought Johnny Goudreau was on his way to the island. And Johnny Goudreau 
is now on his way to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yes, I said it. The Columbus Blue Jackets. 60-some-odd-million-dollar contract. Everybody thought that if he leaves Calgary, the only team he'd be heading to is the Island. The Islanders struck out. And you think about Lou Lamorello. I'm not questioning what Lou Lamorello did in the offseason so far. Getting rid of Barry Trotz, one of the best coaches in the NHL. Bringing in a rookie coach in Lambert. I'm not going to take shots at him for that because he's done it before. If you remember, with Jacques Lemaire, with the Devils, and then they brought in Robertson. And Robertson won a Stanley Cup. But it's still kind of scary when you look at going into the offseason and the one piece that the Islanders have been trying to go after is an offensive player and they don't land him speed. As far as Goudreau's initial contract, he got a $68 million deal, which I'm actually surprised he kind of got underpaid. I actually thought he was going to be targeting more of a Panarin type contract. Now he's been injury prone more in his career, so maybe that held him back from getting that kind of money, but definitely something that the Islanders, I'm surprised, did not push for, even if they did have to push for a $10, $11 million a year type contract. I'm surprised he took way less money to go to Columbus as it was. He took $15 million less to not go to the Flames, which is very interesting. A team that was just a division winner. So it must have been a bad fallout in that front office for Goudreau. Columbus, too, a rebuilding team, a kind of a middle-tier team. I'm surprised he would have done that. Well, it was all about money and years. I think the Islanders were only offering in five to six years, and that was the problem. I think he wanted to be sure that he was going to get the extension that he wanted, and he didn't get it from the Islanders. And I think the Islanders struck out there. And I mean big time because Mm -hmm. now you're going to be fetching and trying to find that other guy to play with Barzell. And who are you going to go after? Now, we heard JT Miller at at the draft in talks with Vancouver. They struck out on that. And then they went after Romanoff. Well, I'm not going to attack that because we don't know what Romanoff's going to be with Dobson. It could be a really good fit with the Islanders. But, again, they're looking not for defense. They're looking for offense. That is what they need. That's what they were lacking last year offensively, they've struck out in every kind of way. Now, there are some guys that are still out there. Kadri, he is a center. Now, do they move Barzell to the wing position? Do they move Kadri to the wing position to bring him in, give him another offensive style of player? Now, Kadri is not known for his offense. He's not that superstar offensive player like Goudreau, but he still could give you 25, 30 goals. He gives you a little bit of more speed that the Islanders have been lacking on that first line. That's going to be very interesting to move. Tarasenko, too, is still out there. Now, is St. Louis still interested in moving him? That is another thing. St. Louis played very well last year. And Vladimir Tarasenko had a great year. He really did. He stood out, and he was one of the better players in the second half throughout the NHL. I'm interested to see what the Islanders do and how they maneuver making moves because there is not many free agents out there that are offensive-savvy players. So now they're going to have to really be smart. Lou Lamorello is going to have to be very smart and try to bring in an offensive player, not in free agency, but trade. Yeah, I think they're really the last one left that's a top guy is Kadri at this point. Nino Niederreiter is another interesting name, a skilled winger, but he's been dealing with a he lot of He was drafted by the Islanders. He, he's also older, and he's been dealing with a lot of injury issues as it is. So if they take a gamble on him, it's probably for a low salary or a short-year contract type thing. So I think the Islanders at this point are going to have to keep looking at the trade market, too. There are definitely a lot of Western Conference teams they can make trades with. We've seen the Sharks purge a lot of assets. Coyotes, another team I wouldn't be surprised if they start trying to purge some veteran assets, too, that maybe 
the Islanders are definitely target maybe more in quantity than even just going for one big swing like they would have done with Tarasenko, and obviously they tried to do with Goudreau. As far as the Rangers are concerned, I don't know what the Rangers are doing either. Their GM that's been there for about a year and a half, and Chris Drury, everybody thought was sensational in the offseason last year. They added Reeves. Reeves probably going back to the Rangers, and they're trying to figure out how the contracts work to bring Reeves back, mm-hmm. but they lost big pieces. Andrew Kopp was a big part of their face-offs and a big part of their offense in the second half of the season. Ryan Strom, a lot of Ranger fans weren't very excited about him coming back anyway, so I'm sure they're happy he's gone. And then Frank Fratrano, who was one of their best players in the second half of the season. Mott, who was a big part of what this team does offensively on the power play and certain aspects of their offense. So they lost a lot of pieces. Now, Capococco looks like he's negotiating a deal. Justin Braun's gone too. So they're losing a lot of pieces. And what they gained was Vincent Trocek. He's a good player. He's a second-line, third-line center. And he's a good face-off winner, something that the Rangers were lacking. But they had Andrew Cobb. They had guys that can win face-offs that play very well at the face-off draw in the second half. So why not bring back the same guys that you had last year that helped you get to the Eastern Conference Finals? I would have been good with Trocek if they were able to keep Cop too. Like, that's the combo I think that would have been perfect just because of the Rangers' major flaw with face-off. Not only last year, but years past, too. It's been their big weakness as an organization since I've started watching hockey. So even if they lost the other wings that you mentioned in the defense, because I'm not as worried about the defense because you got Zach Jones, who played a little bit last year. Nils Lundqvist is a nice young player, too, that could be a, a fill in that third spot nicely. So I'm not as worried about losing Braun and good riddance Patrick Nemeth, who got traded as well. The wingers, I think they could have replaced a little easier. A player like Kopp is very difficult to replace. Not only does he win faceoffs, he's a versatile guy who can play both center and wing. And he's a guy that hits, too, which the Rangers don't have a lot of guys that can do that either when it comes to their forwards. So if they were able to get both of them, Trocek, who's a little more of a skilled player overall than Cop, I think, in terms of his speed, in terms of his stick handling ability, and has had some good seasons in Florida, too, when he was a young player. 75 points in 2017-18, had some 50-point seasons as well, playing on their second line with not a lot of talent around him. So I think if they were able to get that, I would have liked it. They also lost Kevin Rooney, who uh, went to Calgary, that's too. Right. And yeah. that's a big loss, too. He's a center. He could play the wing position as well, and he he played very well in the playoffs as Mm -hmm. well when he was on the ice. So they lost a lot of pieces. Now, they they did add Turner Elson. Is he a great player? He played for Detroit last year. We don't know much about him. Andy Walensky, who played for Calgary last year, played well at certain parts of the season, but not... Any of the players that they lost, he's not Frank Vitrano, he's not even Ryan Strome. So they lost a lot of pieces. They lost like five pieces. Now they added some goaltending help. They did lose Gregorgioff. They traded him for three draft picks. But they added Deming, if everybody remembers. Louis Deming on the (laughs) Pittsburgh Penguins. What he did last year against the Rangers Rangers, in the playoffs. And they brought in Halak, who will be their backup to Shesterkin. Halak, who's been a good backup goaltender in the NHL. I think the Rangers are done. I think the Rangers spent their money. Now they just have to negotiate a deal with Capococco, and I think they're going to move on with this team. They have some young players that are going to be called up this year that they like, so maybe losing these pieces, you'll get a chance to see some of the younger players. The Rangers are already one of the younger teams in the NHL, so maybe they take two steps back this year because of the young talent that they're going to have to bring up to figure things out. So I know Ranger fans think that this team's going to be better. They gave a lot of money to Vincent Trocek. I think Trocek's con 
contract was definitely fine, but I think for the net loss of four other players, there's a lot to not like about that. Unless they have some kind of trade up their sleeve, I don't know about. But still, that's going to be very hard. Andrew Cop got the same amount of money as uh-huh. Richard Trocheck, right. five million six hundred and twenty-five. Mm-hmm. So why not bring both of them back? Even if you overpay a little bit, the Rangers right now only have four point eight. So you shed one more piece, or have another guy restructure his contract, or something like that, or don't bring in two backup goalies. So Ryan Strom got five million. Uh-huh. Uh, Vitrano, who I thought is better than Ryan Strom, got three million. Mm-hmm. Kevin Rooney got a million. The other players, you know, around the million area, seven hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah Nemeth was in a trade. Like he's making one and a half or something like that. And good riddance to him anyway. And Justin Braun, I think, got a veterans minimum with the Flyers to go back there. Yeah, a million dollars. It's so interesting to see, but it, it really the talk is Lou Lamorello and what he hasn't done. And Lou needs to figure that out because if you look at the big picture of where the Islanders are and where the Islanders thought they were going to be at free agency, they had their chance at Goudreau. Everybody thought that Calgary was going to re-sign him. He was there for the taking. They didn't give him what he wanted. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, now the Islanders are sitting on their hands wondering where they're going to go next. What is their second option or third option or maybe even fourth option to bring in a player that's going to help Barzell moving forward? Mm-hmm. It seems like the primary option right now is Tarasenko, but based on the news last week, too, you can't rule out Patrick Kane either. I know he's been linked to the Rangers, too, for whatever reason. Patrick Kane is definitely a piece that the Islanders could bring in. He's a little bit on the older side, right. but he's 33 years old. I think he has another two, three good years left. Mm-hmm. You put him with Barzell, he adds a little bit of speed, a dynamic offensive player that can pass the puck, give Barzell less of the time holding onto the puck, but they're both puck handling, being fancy with the puck. So it would be very interesting to see Patrick Kane on the same line as Matthew Barzell. That right. would be a fun. And, and you heard Patrick Kane two years ago at the All-Star game saying that Barzell is one of those special players and one of the fastest players he's ever seen. Over the years, I've known Patrick Kane personally. I know he likes players like Matthew Barzell's talent because players like that, a.k.a. Panarin, are guys that he has played with and understands how to get the puck to. It'll be very interesting to see what the Islanders do moving forward this offseason. When we come back, we have Chaz and the crew, or maybe just Chaz. Money Line Mania here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World's Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Been a great show, and why not get the guy who's in charge with the line, as we call this segment Money Line Mania. This is Money Line Mania, which has the crew. Doesn't look like there's a crew today, but we have Chaz. Chaz, what's going on, bud? Yeah, you know what? We we do with a lot of guys, but as you know, it's summertime, and you know, Speedy spends a lot of the week getting guests for your show. Sometimes it's harder to get them. I'm pretty comfortable in my ability to handle it. Well, that's good. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen Wes in a couple of weeks. We've seen Hector. Hector's been here, and the two Johns and all the other guys that you have. I'm just happy that you're getting better, and hopefully we'll see your show on the uh, Worldwide Sports Radio Network soon. I'm chomping at the bit, as they say. Speaking of chomping at the bit, mm. guess what I'm going to do for you guys starting next week? Not this that? week, 
But next week, I'm going to be giving out a thoroughbred horse race at Saratoga for Sundays. Oh, how wonderful. And unfortunately, I mentioned to Speedy through the week that last weekend we stunk pretty heavily here. But that's not how we roll. We don't worry about it. We move on. When you lose at sports betting, you have to stop and you have to say, and this is really a a sports betting 101 kind of tip. You have to say, why did I lose? Did I lose because I did bad handicapping or did I lose because they call it gambling? Sometimes you lose because they call it gambling for a reason. So why don't we get into it, my friend? Some gambling conversations, some of the games that are coming up. Where are you going to go in baseball? That's what we're going into. Well, well, let's look at baseball. How cool is it? First of all, of course, tomorrow's games, we're going we're gonna to look at three games are the last games before the All-Star break. They have a saying, if you're in first place at the All-Star break, you know, you got to a good shot of winning, but when was the last time you saw every single team in a division that was 500 or better? I think the NL West did it a few years back, but it doesn't happen very often. But this morning when we woke up, Baltimore was at 500. First every of all. single team in the AL East. And you mentioned it er- mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. in the year that there's a good shot that every single team that is a playoff in the AL that isn't from the other two divisions is going to be in the AL East. It's crazy because if Baltimore was in any other division, they'd be in second place in all of them. And that's how dominant the American League East is. And these these guys play against each other like 16, 17 times a year. And they're back and forth with each other. It's crazy how Baltimore is playing right now. They're 45 and 45. Toronto is not playing as well, 48 and 43. And then so is Boston. And right now, Tampa, I expected Tampa to play a little bit better. And they're 12 games out of the Yankees. I think the Yankees haven't played well, as everybody has been saying. They're 4 and 6 in the last 10 games. But I think they're, the Yankees are hitting a skid. Every team hits a skid every single year. So I didn't expect, even the Dodgers, when they had the 110 win season a couple of years ago, they hit a skid where they, in 10 games, they lost six or seven games. So I'm not surprised that the Yankees have hit their skid. I just hope that they don't go on a further skid after the All-Star break, especially yesterday when they had a chance to beat Boston and completely choked. So. Well, yeah, and that, that's a great point. I remember that skid for the Dodgers you're talking about because it was the summer and I was in Las Vegas to get our bets in for the contest. You know, you have to physically go there to, to get your bets in or you got to use a proxy. So what we did was we were sitting in the bar and this young kid comes up. And I say young kid. You know, he could have been in his 30s, but he was younger than me. And he says, I'm popping on the Dodgers. There's no way they can lose four in a row. I said, I looked around there, I said, they totally can lose four in a row. And at minus, they were like minus 370. The numbers that are just astronomically hard to make any kind of money if you're sports betting. And sure enough, I think they lost 7-2 to that night. Or I was just hoping the it's guy didn't not even, a lot of money It's not even an argument that the American League has the most talent when it comes to teams in all of baseball. I love it when I hear Mets fans say, well, we're in a pretty good division. Not really. Right now, besides the two teams on top, the other three teams are not as good. The Marlins can't hit, the Phillies can't pitch, so judge that accordingly. I mean, both the Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies, they all have 40 wins, and Washington's horrible, but yeah. I, I mean, their division's not that bad, but the Yankees' division is just ridiculous. It, it really, And no, they're no, playing no, against each no, other. No, no, I don't think anybody's arguing that. They're playing against each other 16, 17 times a year. Mm-hmm. By itself, it's ridiculous how they play against one another, and how they're all 500 against one another. It's crazy, but let's get into it. One other thing I want to mention is, now, so you're going to get the All-Star break, and that's fine. You can bet the home run derby. You can bet the all-star game under because it almost always is under. But when these teams come back and they start playing into the second half, you're 
going to see teams when you're handicapping that have lost three or four in a row. Right now, we've got a, a couple teams. Well, one of them's won, I think, Seattle, right? 12 Baltimore, in a row. Was that 10 in a row? Yeah, that got, what, just what got I, snapped, yeah. What I look for is those teams that have won or lost three or four in a row. That is when you got to hop on those teams. If you think about it, guys, in life, when things are going good, right, everything goes good. When things are going bad, it's amazing. I mean, the, the morning you lock your keys in your car, you lose your keys, you get a flat tire, uh, something happens at work. I mean, it's like life knows when you're down and it piles on. Boy, and, does and it I always ever. would When I was doing training, I would tell people, this is how I describe it. When you're up and life's good, you're whistling, walking down the sidewalk, and then there's a $20 bill sitting there, and you pick it up, and you got a $20 bill. When you're miserable and things are going bad, you're cursing the world, you're looking up at the sky, complaining to God, why me, why me, and you walk right over that 20 you don't see it. You know, it's and so, that's what I, I'm telling people. You when know when so, teams are down and they're in the funk like you mentioned, Errol, you got to stay down, keep betting against them, keep betting against them, even if they're the Dodgers or, or Houston or all those four teams that we talk about that as the best four teams in the league. Because if they go 2-1 and one, and you're taking the other team at plus 300, You've lost more games than you've won, and you have more money in your pocket than when you started. And really, as you know from the beginning in Sports Betting Weekly, all we talk about, we don't care about winning percentage. How much money I got in my pocket, how much did I start with? You were just mentioning finding money and, and feeling like you're rich. My girlfriend's mother found $600 at Stop and Shop, so she's $600 Richer, very lucky. I've that, lost that, money. I've that's a nice one. You don't yeah. find. I found the hundred dollar bill in a wallet with never. no ID once. That was pretty cool. I never found anything in my life. I've lost, <laughs> but six hundred dollars is a, quite a lot of money. And she found no it. doubt about, yeah. it. especially at Stop and Shop, because prices are going up. So that'll help you in the bread aisle. For yeah, sure. let's not get into the prices in our wonderful, wonderful country. Don't get into the bread aisle or the milk aisle at Walmart with Errol either. He's had some <laughs> interesting encounters there. Yes. So when I was done looking at. The, the games for tomorrow, I realized that I picked three games. I picked the two New York teams and the San Diego team, and I didn't do it on purpose. It just was the way it, it ended up working out because I go through games and I say, yeah, no, I want nothing to do with that game, nothing to do with that game. And we've talked enough in the past that you guys know just because I don't have action when a game starts doesn't mean I'm not hopping on it. The other night in that Yankee game, I remember it was really low scoring in like the seventh inning, and I hopped on the over four and a half runs, and the next thing I know, they're in extra innings, and they scored like tens. And I'll talk about that with this first game, the last game in the series of the Boston at the Yankees. And what do we know that headed into Saturday, they had four straight games go over. But sales pitching for Boston, and if you saw him come back, they had him on a short leash, right? But he did pretty well that first start. And then Cole's pitching. Now, Cole's last start, that number, seven innings, 11 Ks, four hits, zero runs. That's a pretty good number. But what I'm looking at is the game before that, where they played against Boston, and Boston uh, scored five runs. They were It was a 6-5 to five Boston win. I'm going to lean towards the over here, but I'm a little hesitant about hopping on it early because these two pitchers are really good pitchers. So what I'm looking at is it, it's right about 8.5, and, and I'm going to have a, a small little play on the 8.5, but I'm sitting around, and I'm paying attention to that game tomorrow. I'm not sure what I'll be doing Sunday morning here in San Diego, but it's still early enough that I'll be starting my day. I won't be rocking and rolling. So I'll have that game on, and I'll be waiting for that total to drop to 6.5. 
as soon as it drops to six and a half, I'm going to bet it again. So it's going to be probably about eight and a half to start, maybe seven, seven and a half, eight to start. It's hard to tell when you got a guy like Sale coming back because you don't know what, what they're going to give him. And we've seen it, and you mentioned it too, Errol, how uh, the bullpens are just dropping the ball on a lot of these teams. Mm -hmm. Ch Chaz, I know what you could do on Sunday morning with your winnings. You could buy one of those uh, Padres pink and teal jerseys, the new ones. Yeah, nah. They got a lot of not love out here on social media. I'll tell oh, you I, that. I can't stand the brown ones. I love the pink. I'm even going to predict this. Rafael Devers hits a home run against Garrett Cole because he's been doing it every single game ever since he's met Garrett Cole. He's the only player in the major league that has six or more home runs against Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole, the second guy, I think only has three, three home runs against him. Garrett Cole and, doesn't and give up a I lot of home runs. I pay attention and try to find that as a prop. You can almost always find the main players to hit one home run as a prop bet. So I'll look for that for sure. He kills Garrett Cole, always. And the last time he met Garrett Cole in a game, he had two home runs against Garrett Cole. He has his number, and great pitchers have always had players that have your number. As oh, no heard. doubt. So, and Isn't I it funny, that, too, yeah. because sometimes they're not great hitters. They're just the guy in the lineup, but for some reason... They up their game against certain pitchers. It's so funny how that happens. Great. And their guy that might be a triple crowd candidate is batting 178 against the same pitcher. Yeah. Greatest Met killer of all time in my lifetime was Pat Burrell, who hit seventh in that lineup. Oh, also Chipper Jones. Well, yeah, but Chipper Jones is actually a great player. Right, exactly, exactly. Like right, Pat, Miller, Pat Burrell was a big-time Met killer and wasn't even that good of a player. His name is his trivia contest name. Everybody knows Chipper Jones. Though, right. You know? All right, so then a little later, the Mets are at Chicago. Peterson's pitch in his last 15 innings. This is pretty cool. These are two pitchers, right? The last 15 innings, he gave up eight runs on four homers. He's matching up at Chicago against Samson, who his last 16 innings gave up eight earned runs and three homers. When you give up eight earned runs in 16 innings or 15 innings, that is stinky poo, as they say. So we're going to take the over in that game. You never know with Chicago. One of the things about betting at Chicago Cubs games is you got to check the weather in the morning. They have a website. Is it blowingout.com or something like that? It's, oh, it's just all the wind patterns? The yeah. I'm going with the over. It's probably going to be about eight and a half, and that's the kind of game you'll know early. But I'm telling you right now, the way I play these bets is if I start the game with the action, I'm paying attention to that action. Last night, I had a situation where I was at a barbecue. Everybody's eating hot dogs and hamburgers. I'm eating the chicken breasts, you know, with nothing on it. But I couldn't get reception at this party. So I had a couple plays that I would end up winning and I didn't. I couldn't get the betting because I couldn't. I was just, my phone was just spinning because they were in a canyon. Normally, yeah, if, if I start a game with action, I'm going to be involved. And, and as Wes and I and John from GMF Sports talk about that, live action, it's really great for bailing you out. You thought a game was going to go over and it doesn't go over, but then you hop out of that six and a half or four and a half like with the Yankee game, and then it ends up going over for both, and you end up hitting both tickets. Those are simple pleasures. And then later, 4 o'clock your time, 1 o'clock, Arizona at San Diego. So this one I'm going with the under. The reason I'm going with the under, in Kelly's last five starts for Arizona, he's thrown at least 96 pitches. You've heard me talk about pitch count before. I love betting pitchers that throw a lot of pitches because they're going seven and eight innings. And if you're going seven or eight innings, you're pitching good, right? Your coach would take you out. The manager's first the pitching coach comes out. I, I forget the rules on how many times they could come out before they got to pull them. Sometimes you, you see it, and you know this guy's coming out, and there's other times where they never even 
touch the top of the dugout steps. But every start since June, when he's allowed two runs or more, the next start he's allowed one run or less. And this is going back now five or six starts. Last game, he gave up two runs. So this game, he's supposed to give up one or less based on nothing but pure luck, of course. But that's what it looks like when you look at it. And then uh, Clevenger got rocked last two games. He pitched only 11 innings. He gave up eight earned runs. But before that, at Arizona, he one hit this team through six in a four to nothing win. I am taking under. So I've got really all totals. I don't care if Boston wins. I don't care if the Yankees win. I don't care if the Mets win. I don't care if the Cubs win. I don't care if Arizona wins. And I don't care if San Diego wins. I'm going with totals. And it seems like you don't care about Sunday. much of anything. The Mets better yeah. win. They better not lose to the Cubs. But you never know, right? It's that last game before the All-Star break. You don't know what's on these guys' minds. It's not like these games are important, right? The Cubs don't have a shot. I think they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They're 20 games under 500. The Mets, boy, that was a big series against Atlanta. Didn't they play well in Atlanta? Two out of three, yep. So you never know what's going through these guys' mind because they're getting this time off if they're not on the All-Star game. Remember when the Giants rented that boat? Uh-huh. <laughs> Odell Beckham and Justin yeah. Biebs. Yeah. <laughs> the Biebs, who's, by the way, getting healthy. So hopefully it'll be good. I like that Devers home run prop, though. Errol, yeah. I like that. If you look at what Devers has done against Garrett Cole, he's just absolutely crushed him. And Garrett Cole even said it after the game when he had two home runs against him. He says, I guess people have to give me pointers because I have no idea how to stop this yeah. guy. So yeah. it's unbelievable. Rafael Devers is one of the best young hitters throughout the oh, league. Oh, he's very good. And hopefully the Red Sox figure out how they sign him, or hopefully not, because I, I don't want to see him anymore in the American League. I am excited to be the official thoroughbred correspondent for the Weekend Crunch next week. We're really excited, and we're happy that you're getting better. Tell Wesley, Hector, and all those guys, we're looking forward to seeing him again. Well, the next time you see Blackhawk West, he will have a a child. Really? Mm -hmm. His wife is due any day between now and I think the 24th is when they induce How old is Wes? I don't know. I think he's 40 now. Yeah, he's my age. He might be a little bit older than me. He just got married recently. He got married on the same day as somebody else I know. They have the same wedding anniversary. Good for him. He's a good guy, and I'm so happy Oh, he's a great guy. And they are. That's the thing. They're so apologetic when they can't make it. For the West Coast guys, it's 9 in the morning on Saturday. It's tough. in summertime, so so I'm laughing because they're apologizing. Don't apologize, you know? Yeah. Don't apologize. I mean, Errol's making the check out to me, so don't worry about it. (laughs) I hope eventually I'll be making the check out of my Myself. There you go, baby. There you go. <laughs> Anyways, thank you, Chaz, for joining us. Yeah, I'll always be cashing. Moneyline Mania, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back, some baseball conversation. As the New York Yankees and the New York Mets heading to the All-Star break, who's hot and who's not, and what do those teams need to do at the trade deadline? When we come back, we'll get into it here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this... Is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. All-Star break is right around the corner on Monday. We'll have the home run derby. We'll see Pete Alonzo. The last two years, Pete Alonzo is back-to-back champions. But really what we've seen so far with the Yankees and the Mets going into the second half of the season, the Yankees have been the hottest team in baseball. And there really was nothing to say bad about the Yankees for the last 
two months, three months. They were as dominant as any team. They haven't lost a series until the last week and a half, two weeks. They've been absolutely dominant when you try to compare and contrast the old Yankee teams of the last 20 years and now. What worries me about the Yankees right now is the rotation has not been as good in the last two weeks. Cortez has taken a couple of steps back. Taon has taken a couple of steps back. The guy that's really gotten better is Garrett Cole. And we expected that because he is the best pitcher on that team and on that roster. It's not even an argument. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball, one of the top five guys. And then you look at guys like Savarino, hasn't really played well now. Herman could be back in the next couple of weeks. That could be an addition. Jordan Montgomery's been very good. As good as the other guys have been in spurts, if I were to start a pitcher as my second pitcher in a playoff spot, it would be Jordan Montgomery. I like Jordan Montgomery. He's pitched very well for the Yankees in the playoffs. I think he's been the best pitcher for the Yankees in the playoffs the last few years. Since Tanaka left, he was always the best playoff pitcher, and now Montgomery's kind of taken over. So we look at the Yankees right now. They need to add another outfield bat. It's been a huge problem for them. Joey Gallo has just been a bust. Now, they could move Joey Gallo back to Texas. There are rumors that Texas is interested in bringing him back. Maybe Texas just waits until the offseason. They just bring him back in free agency instead of giving up uh, any of their prospects or whatever they're planning to do with him. But they need another bat in this lineup. Now, they added Tyler Wade. He's an ex-Yankee. He's a utility player that can play multiple positions in the infield. He's not something that just really sparks out there to say, oh, the Yankees, they've got something. They need to add another bat that really significantly stands out for this outfield, Speedy. Yeah, I think the main targets were not necessarily these big, big bats necessarily, as much as it was a center fielder too, a guy that could be a good defensive outfielder and more of a contact hitter like Benintendi is. Benintendi hitting over 310 this year so far, but not thought of as a power guy. There are a couple other guys that the Yankees were interested in too, Ramon Laureano, a guy from the Athletics, who they seem to be trading everybody, so I wouldn't be surprised at that. David Peralta is another name to look at from the Diamondbacks as not a true pure center fielder, but he plays in a big park, so he's used to having that kind of range. So him adjusting to Yankee Stadium and the other AL East parks might not be a big issue. Because here's the thing, Aaron Judge has been playing a lot of center field this year, but he's also been a guy that's notoriously injury prone. And throughout the season, especially for how well he's playing, you want him to be well rested and manage him well for the playoffs too, with the year he's having, the MVP caliber year he's having. So I don't know if you want, if you're Aaron Boone, to play Aaron Judge in center field all the time. Now Aaron Hicks is hurt. He's looked really good in the outfield. Yeah, no, I'm not saying Aaron Judge is a bad center fielder. I'm just saying I don't know if you necessarily want to play him every game. So I think that's why the Yankees are definitely exploring these other options too, especially with all these teams that want to trade off, even if it's just for like a defensive specialist type center fielder to give Aaron Judge a breather and playing center field and move him right or even move him to the DH spot and eliminate the DH. So there's a lot of options they could do now with the new rules. You don't have to just lose the DH now with the Shohei Otani rule they implemented at the start of the year where originally would have had to lose the DH and Aaron Judge who would have to either come out of the game or be a DH as a pitching spot technically. It's so interesting to see where Brian Cashman's going to go at the trade deadline. They might add another arm to this rotation. Who knows? Castillo's been a name that's been dangled out, not only with the Yankees, the Mets, and other teams. A guy that Cincinnati wants to part ways with. The Yankees do have a pretty decent farm system if they want to make a move for Luis Castilla. If they think they're going to lose Luis Savarino in the offseason, which they quite possibly could. Yeah. As far as the Mets, the Mets have played up and down. They played well against the Braves. I mean, there are games that they haven't showed up in. Over the last couple of weeks, I think they've gotten more hitting in this lineup, but it still worries me with Francisco Lindor. He has not had a good season. A guy that everybody 
he thought was going to take at least a better approach in the box. Hasn't done that this year. For a guy that's making $326 million for the next 10 years, you expect more from your star shortstop. As far as his defense, we know what his defense provides. Nimmo, I think robbed. I thought he should have made the All-Star team. Very surprised that he didn't. He had a very good season in the center field. He hasn't been hitting the last couple of weeks, and that's the problem. That's probably why he didn't make the All-Star team, but... Uh, he's had a great year. Pete Alonso, obviously, we know what he is and what he brings to the table. He hasn't hit as many home runs as he did in the beginning of the yeah, season. he was in a bit of a slump recently. But maybe the home run derby will wake him up. I, I don't know. But I think that the Mets need to add another bat to this lineup. Everybody keeps saying pitching, maybe bullpen help, because now Jacob deGrom and, and Scherzer will be back by in the second half. But I think it's more of the bullpen that needs to be fixed a little bit. They need another power bat in the middle of this lineup to protect Pete Alonso Because Francisco Lindor hasn't done it. None of these guys really stand out as power bats that can protect him where he's going to see pitches that he can hit. The weakness of the Mets lineup has definitely been power this year. They're 20th in baseball in home runs right now. But they're doing well in other things. They're 5th in the league in, in on base percentage. They're 7th, I think, in OPS. And they're the second best or the best situational hitting team in the National League in a lot of categories. So the power is the only thing they're really down for, but I think it's just a different approach that we've seen with Eric Chavez, now Buck Showalter, because the problem is that Mets had years where they were second or third in the National League in home runs, and they didn't get anywhere because they couldn't do other things and they struck out a ton. So they're having a little bit of an opposite approach, but that doesn't mean they're not necessarily capable. Francisco Lindor, even though hitting two forty four, still has 16 home runs, mm. so he's on pace for a 30, which for a shortstop, that's a very good mark. Somebody like Eduardo Escobar on pace for 20, 25, Home runs. Do you want your shortstop to hit 30 home runs and, and bat 236? Here's the thing, though. I think there's other guys that are hitting for batting average that could be able to compensate for that. Starling Marte, 293. Jeff McNeil, obviously a big batting average guy, 310. So they have the other guys. Lidore's still driving in runs. He's still hitting the clutch well and stealing bases when he does get on base. He just has to get on base more. 318 on base percentage is more of what I would want him to improve most because of his speed and being able to get into scoring position. Buck Showalter's not a guy that likes to steal bases as it is but it's definitely a weapon to have for the postseason crunch time games down the stretch that could be a secret weapon for them. As far as the trade deadline, I th- I still would favor the pitching in terms of if I were the Mets. Obviously, you want to be able to do a lot of different things, but there's a bunch of bullpen arms. Or you need guys. a bat in this lineup, man. Maybe a catcher, maybe a catcher type. But I they have a catcher that they're going to be calling up. Alvarez, Alvarez yeah, they, they might not want to rush him up either. So they're going to judge that accordingly and feel like if he's ready or not. He's the second best prospect in the MLB pipeline as of a week ago. Tigers Riley Green just got called up, was number one. So he's technically the number one in the minor leagues still. But still, that would be the only thing. I just don't know if the catching market really has a lot out there. I know on the Sports Lab Mouse we've heard people mention Contreras, but I don't know how that could be very pricey for a guy that's young still and is offensively talented as he is. Bullpen help is definitely something, and I also think some veteran pitchers that could be fringe starters and pitch out of different roles. I mentioned Wade Miley as a guy on the Sports Lab Mouse, a lefty guy that has good playoff experience for them. Um, Also a guy like Andrew Chafin, who pitches for Detroit right now, Daniel Bard for the Rockies, guys that are relief pitchers that could pitch in other roles too, are guys that I'm more interested in just to build up the depth because the Mets have some stars in their bullpen, but they don't have a lot of depth, and especially lefties too. They really need that badly. That's going to be a significant flaw for their bullpen in the postseason if they can't get any lefties. When we come back, we'll be talking to Pro Football Focus and Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host Brian Drake here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. 
New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. This guy has been a fan of the show and a friend of the show for a very long time. We are now talking to Pro Football Focus and Sirius XM Fantasy Football Radio Show host, Brian Drake. Brian, what's going on, man? Errol, Petey, how are you folks? Thanks for having me back on. I'm glad I can make an appearance here. And I, I just love, because you guys bring this gritty New York vibe that I love, because <laughs> I'm a New Yorker, although I'm upstate. I love that New York sports radio. It's kind of stuff I grew up on, Mike and the Mad Dog and FAN and all that great stuff. So I, I love listening to you guys. I love the passion and the hustle that you guys put into this show. It's awesome. We really like to bring out a different attitude when it comes to sports, because I think sports Sports radio has really become boring. Everybody talks about the same stuff. It's repetitive and it has no personality to it. I think it's just about entertaining people and letting people understand that the fans should have a voice, but also have a voice through us. And that's what we like to do when we when we talk sports. Yeah, I'm a radio nerd from way back. I could sit here and talk theory of sports radio with you <laughs> all day long. Because you're right. When you look back at, you know, I'm a big Howard Stern fan mm-hmm. and Colin Cowherd and guys like that, Tony Kornheiser. And all radio is, is crazy creating an atmosphere where you feel like you're friends with the host. Like you listen and you're like, oh yeah, I'm buddies with Errol. I'm buddies with Speedy Pete. Yeah, like these are my boys. And like, I'm just sitting back. I'm a fly on the wall listening to them. And if they say something crazy, I'm going to call in. And guys, you would enjoy hanging out and having a drink with versus now everything's just like, oh, how hot can my take be? And I can get clicks on Twitter for it and all that. It's like, nobody cares about that. Like that, you're not building an audience when you do that. It doesn't make any sense to me because because in this industry, and I've been in the industry for over nine years, doing radio for a very long time, we're on 103.9 FM here in Long Island, which has become one of the better, more popular shows out here. But nevertheless, I feel like pitching the show to national stages like ESPN and CBS, they want you to be less personality and more just straight to the point. And I don't understand that. Personality is what sells you. Personality is what changes you from everybody else. Again, it's all about getting your foot in the door and doing what you're asked to do and then you can be who you want to be, which I don't understand that. You don't even need that nowadays. You can create your own platform in 2022. You don't need WFAN or Mm -hmm. whoever in New York City to let you in. You can go become huge on YouTube and all these different apps out there. So keep doing what you guys are doing, man. I remember, and I hate Jim Rohn, so it's funny <laughs> but i have this jim rome autograph picture from when i was 12 years old and he signed it have a take and don't suck and i had one from him and i had one from scott farrell autographed that in my room i know uh, scotty i loved listening to scotty farrell way back in the day in like the 90s mm-hmm. on uh, when in syracuse Mm-hmm. And he would call in and you know, do a Interesting Farrell, voice. And, uh, oh, my it. God. I was at the Stanley Cup finals with Boston and St. Louis, and I was driving home after St. Louis won the Stanley Cup, and I'm driving home all the way back to New York, and Scotty Farrell's on, so I'm like, I'm going to call this stupid show, and I'm calling him up. He's got the most unique, ridiculous voice. As soon as he put me through, I couldn't stop laughing. He says, are you going to ask me a question? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like you ever watch The Muppets? He's like a Muppet character. Scotty Farrell. 
Carell is an interesting dude, but that's who he is. He's a different, unique personality, and that's what made him. And you're absolutely right. Platforms, you can make, you could form. But to me, I've always wanted to be center stage on a national grid. I want to be one of the biggest sports radio show hosts in America. And the only way you can do that is getting on a national stage and proving yourself through the national stage. And we have a lot of guys that are doing that now that have worked under us, worked personally with, trained them, and they went the route of kissing, you know what, I don't do that. I'm not going to do that. I want to be who I want to be. And I feel like now with the industry the way it is and so dried out with personalities and people that think that they know and have an ego trip, it bothers me, man. I don't understand why the industry is like that, where you have to beg them to say, hey, listen, give me a 30-show contract. Let me show you what I got. And then after that, if you don't like it, we could part ways and we'll never have to talk again. And if you love it, then we could sit down and I could tell you, I told you so. For all the connections I have in the industry, I don't go to those connections. I feel that I can do it myself and I have the unique personality to do it and give the national grid a different way of sports radio, something that they haven't heard before. Errol, it's funny. When I was in college and I was interning, I interned at a sports radio station in Syracuse and the anchor, our midday anchor at the time was primetime Adam Shine. Yeah, and, too, yeah. And I remember going on there and he was great and god bless adam he is as talented mm-hmm. as he gets that's why he is where he is and i remember going back to my little college radio station and I'm doing my show and all these guys they're going to stations to try to emulate somebody who is already there right. and my whole thing was i was like i'm already better than these guys mm-hmm. like, and mentally that's how you have to be mm-hmm. you have to be like no this guy's show sucks like you guys are never going to draw an audience you got to have a little personality you got to have a little flair a little showmanship and stern had a great point about that early on when podcasting started coming out and he was so anti-podcast. I remember he was talking about Adam Carolla's show and he was like, listen, if you want to really make it in radio, go earn a rating. Have people listen to you and get paid to draw ratings, paid to draw advertisers versus going in your basement and talking and for people listening. And now it's different. You see the guys at Spotify making bazillions of dollars, but he is still right. You can look at battles in New York City with Michael Kay and them going up against the guys at FAM and ESPN. Brian, let me ask you a question. If I was doing the show at the time and the slot, Michael K and all of them. Don't you think we'd be drawing the same amount of fans that want to listen to sports radio that has a national grid putting out the same content, maybe different content out? Don't you think they'd be listening to me just as much as they'd be listening to Michael K? I think it's proven when you look at these radio stations, the numbers don't change that drastically. Mm-hmm. Did people like Mike and the Mad Dog mm-hmm. back in the day? Of course. of course they did, but because they were on the air. That's who you listen to from 2 to 6. When you put somebody else on the air, unless they're just awful, you're going to listen because that's who's on the air if you enjoy the show i'm kind of with you knowledgeable and has a little personality and can relate to the callers yeah they're going to click and you just need that time to build the audience, build your rapport. And the one thing that I have done, whoever I've worked with, we're going to give you the best content possibly out there. And for somebody to tell me, I've got to change to get on, then be the person that you want to be. That doesn't sell to me. And that doesn't sell to the people because that's not me. And that's wrong. Again, we are talking to pro football focus and serious XM fantasy football radio show host, Brian Drake. I want to go into New York sports, the giants. They have a new coach. They had a pretty good draft. They had a a top-end offensive lineman, top-end pass rusher in Thibodeau. What were your thoughts with their offseason? Does this team, with their schedule, surprise the league? I just mentioned my buddy there, Bill, who passed away. He was a diehard Giants fan. He made me a better fan because he was so passionate. He was so knowledgeable. So I always knew so much about the Giants because that was his team. I look at the Giants right now, and I say, this team has so much freaking talent on offense. Why can't we put it together? So they went out, they got Brian Dayball. The question can be 
said, guys, did Brian Dayball make Josh Allen or did Josh Allen make Brian Dayball? Now, his record as an offensive coordinator with Josh Allen, he was 34 and 15. Every other team that he was the offensive coordinator for, he has a record of 18 and 46. He's going to get probably three years to see what he can do. And you're going to get one year, at least, of Daniel Jones to see if he can turn it around. Saquon Barkley. All the money you've invested into this offensive line. I like Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Wendell Robinson. It's all there for Daniel Jones. That's going to be the linchpin of this team. What can Daniel Jones do? And if he can't do it, this is a great draft class coming up. If they have another season where they're picking in the top 10, they've got a great opportunity for the future with a young base. I'm not looking to extend Saquon Barkley, but get the offensive line under control. Now you got the nice defensive end. You're going to rework that secondary. Just got rid of Bradbury. I think things are moving in the right direction, especially in the front office for the New York Giants. Now your team has James Bradbury and they get to face the Giants twice a year. Funny thing is I had a buddy who like knew his agent. This is before Bradbury signed with the Eagles. And they were like, listen, this guy doesn't want to play. He's like, he's had bad turf toe he's got issues he only wants to play on grass he's only going to sign with a team that has grass philadelphia's <laughs> a team that plays on grass yep. he only might play for another year or two to me i worry about that i'm like oh my god i don't want some guy that doesn't have a passion for the game you could get halfway through a season and the guy could just be like nah i don't want to play and just kind of mail it in and fake an injury hopefully philadelphia is more competitive this year so that doesn't happen but on bad teams, you see that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Where guys are just like, yeah, we're going to mail it in. We're going to be 4-13 and 13 this year, like Houston. I'm going to take a few weeks off. And you know this is an NFC East fan. How, about how often do top players that become free agents sign with a rival team right away? We saw with Deshaun Jackson. We saw with DeMarco Murray. I never saw a yeah. division that does it as much as the NFC East does. <laughs> I'm curious if we see a inter-division trade in the NFC West with Jimmy Garoppolo, mm-hmm. maybe to Seattle. Because... Jimmy Garoppolo has to go somewhere. I know there's all this talk of Trey Lance and is there arm fatigue? It doesn't matter. They spent so much draft capital mm-hmm. to get Trey Lance. You have to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo and you're going to this offseason. I think there is a shot. They either release him and Seattle can sign him for nothing because they don't want to pay him what he's owed. Or if you have to trade him and he's a stopgap kind of guy, I mean, what are you really going to give up for a Jimmy Garoppolo? Fifth, sixth round pick? That's it. have him for a year? They need help out there in Seattle. Unless you're just <laughs> hey, totally look- for Bryce Young. Look what the Panthers gave up for Baker Mayfield, a fifth-round draft pick. The Jets absolutely robbed the Carolina Panthers for a second and a fourth for Sam Donald, and the guy's going to be on the scrap heat maybe by the end of this year. And that turned into it. Jermaine Johnson, who could be a pro Bowl, all-pro player. Anything is possible, and it's not even about the draft. It's how you build your team and how it makes sense to that organization and that GM on how he wants to build through it. You don't have to be the smartest guy, but you have to have a plan. And if you have the plan and you understand how the plan could work as we see over the last couple of years even the LA Rams you knew what the LA Rams were going to do the Rams had the pieces they had the players that they believe they needed the quarterback well they traded away their future to get the quarterback it worked and then during the season bringing in Odell Beckham they needed a pass rusher they bring in Von Miller they traded away their future because they wanted to win now and they needed to prove themselves after a home team like Tampa did it the year before they wanted to do it again in LA so it's possible but you have to have the right base to succeed in football. It's all about, do you have a quarterback? Do you have an offensive line? Do you have a defensive line? Mm-hmm. Defensive lines are so underrated. Fans don't think about their O-line mm-hmm. and their D-line. That's where you win. When you look at the teams that are traditionally terrible, why is that? You can't rush the passer. You can't influence the quarterback in the pocket. 
that's what defensive tackles who make all this money, a guy like Fletcher Cox, Mm -hmm. who's made a bazillion dollars for the Philadelphia Eagles. He doesn't have the big sack numbers like Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's defensive tackle is probably one of the five greatest defensive linemen ever play the game. It's all about can you disrupt the passer at the point of release? You want him moving off his set target. And if you can do that, it's going to create anxiety back there. And then it's going to give that split second for the secondary because the NFL is a passing league. Everything is set up for these offenses to win. And the penalties are all called for them. The rules are all in their favor. Mm -hmm. Can you give your defensive backs a split second to try to make a play? That's really what the NFL is all about. Now, I'm looking up and down the standings from last year. Tennessee, just the worst one seed in history. And I'm worried about the Raiders. I think the Raiders in that division are going to have a really tough time. And this might sound controversial. I'm not in on the Bengals. I look at the Bengals and I go, okay, you were 10-7 last year. You had this fluky run through the playoffs. You've got the game where Tyreek hill doesn't whatever that was at the goal line and didn't score a touchdown like they don't win that game kansas city completely handed them that afc championship if they would have had to play buffalo buffalo would have beat them by 70 because buffalo was flying so high so to me cincinnati was a team that yes they improved their offensive line a little bit going into this year but everyone's gunning for you you weren't that good you play at a really slow pace i'm not sold on joe mixon at anything more than a first and second down back they never use him on third downs and people are going to have the book on joe burrow Everyone talks about Joe Burrow like he's the next Tom Brady. I don't know. To me, he's more like Matt Ryan-esque. I don't see him as Tom Brady. What do you guys think about him? He's the closest thing in my eyes to Tom Brady. If you look at Tom Brady's numbers, his first two years, and I know Joe Burrow's got hurt last year, tore his ACL the year before that, but if you look at his numbers before that, when Tom Brady stepped on the field, when the Jets knocked him out, you could look at the numbers, how Tom Brady got better and better every single year. He's faster outside the pocket than Tom Brady, but I think he commands the huddle like Tom Brady. People respect him. Other teams respect what he could do on the field. So I don't know what Joe Burrow is and if he can win a Super Bowl in his first three or four years. Uh, you know, being in the league, he could shut people up and shut anybody that says that he's not as good as people think he is. But it's interesting that you say that. The team that I think is going to take steps back is Buffalo. Losing their offensive coordinator, a guy that really developed Josh Allen's talent. Josh Allen doesn't have somebody to lean on anymore. He's got to take the bull by its horn. I don't know if he can. They lost a lot of veterans defensively this year. I know they brought Von Miller. They overpaid for Von Miller. And Von Miller, the last two seasons, have not been 100% healthy. So you're paying a guy guaranteed 56 million dollars guaranteed hurt your salary cap for the next offseason when there are better free agents where you put yourself in a situation that if you're not as good as you were last year you're taking six steps back instead of two steps back because you're becoming an older team and you can look at the nfl and every year it's so cyclical where half the teams that made the playoff one year don't make it the next year you can just look at the afc right now i could make a great case for four or five teams that didn't make the playoffs last year that they could absolutely make it this year indianapolis massive upgraded quarterback very good defense. Miami added Tyreek Hill another year of Tua healthy. Chargers. Chargers should have been in the playoffs yep. last year. Remember that debacle with the Raiders and <laughs> their run defense tie. being god awful. Yes. What did they Raiders do? and the Texans. The, the Texans game let's, was horrible. Brian, let's not forget about the biggest one. The Chargers going for it on fourth and one at their own 22 oh. yard line. <laughs> that game was so awesome. God, I sat down like, I'm going to have to get another beer. It was Sunday night. The playoffs. It was so uh, great. Yeah. But they go out and they added Khalil Mack and they're just loaded in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Baltimore always loaded on defense. I think Lamar Jackson has a resurgent year and they're just going to go back to what they want to do and they're going to pound the football. Denver Mm -hmm. last year was 7-10. and Denver might be the most improved team in the AFC. They had Russell Wilson. That defense is still low. That's just the AFC we're talking about, guys. That's where I think, looking at Cincinnati, what a hard path to try to make it back. And that division isn't great, 
because Pittsburgh's going to be down a little bit this year. We'll see what happens with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland, but it's just a gauntlet to try to get out of the AFC versus the NFC. Five teams out of the Bengals, the Titans, you said the Raiders, the Steelers, and what, the Patriots, to think of the last one out of the playoff teams that made it last oh, year? Oh, yeah, Pittsburgh, they stink. They're not yeah. going to make it. Pittsburgh's going to win six games this year with that quarterback situation. I think New England could win their division again. I never count I out think New they England. are winning the division this year. I don't think Buffalo's winning the division this year. Um, I think the only team that comes out of the AFC East is the Patriots. This is something tells me this Buffalo team is not going to be the same team they were the year before. I love Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen has become a fantastic talent in this league. But when you lose a guy like Dable, who changed your throwing motion, he really was the personality off the field for that Buffalo Bills team. It wasn't the head coach. It wasn't the defensive co- It was him. I think they're going to take steps back. The Chargers, they're good on paper. So were Cleveland last year. What happened to Cleveland? You can have the most talent in the world. If it doesn't mesh and it doesn't work, it doesn't matter how much talent you have. I feel bad as a Jet fan because the Jets are finally getting good and, and they're finally doing the right thing in the draft and doing everything. But the AFC is so massively hard. Even if they yeah. win 9 or 10 games, that doesn't guarantee you a playoff spot. Even though I don't think they're going to win 9 or 10 games, I expect the Jets in a good year win 8 games this year and then next year will be the breakout year where the Jets are going to be fun and explosive to watch. But I'm scared to see what the AFC is going to be this year because it looks like on paper it's scary. A team I can't wrap my head around, guys. I'd love your opinion on this. The New New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. Everybody that I listen to is like, oh, the Saints, they're a playoff team, running a Super Bowl team. And I look and I go, Jameis Winston is their quarterback. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about here? Well, if you like, want crabs, he could steal you a couple of those. We don't know anything about Michael Thomas. Now you're saying, okay, Chris Olave, he's not a physical receiver at all. He's a total finesse guy out there. Skinny as and hell, Darvis too. Landry. Did you ever look at Olave's legs? Now, everybody was talking about that with Smith when he was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. He's a fantastic route runner. This guy, Olave. He's just a go out, go deep. Somebody smashes him into the... He's done. I can use his legs for toothpicks. He reminds me a lot of Deshaun Jackson, but not as fast. No. I don't think he's that level of a deep threat, though, either. No. He was always I, thought of more of a shorter You ever listen to, like, listen to like Greg Cosell break him down? People are saying, oh, I love it. I like him. He's the number one guy in the class. And, and I respect what Greg says a lot. And he's just like, what are you guys talking about? He's like, the guy gives you nothing physicality-wise. No, he's not going to win off the line. So, really, are you going to play him on the outside? But now you've got Jarvis Landry and you got Michael Thomas. you got all these guys you need to play in the slot. If you've got a guy who can't win off the line, we saw that last year with Devonta Smith. The great thing about A.J. Brown coming to Philadelphia is because it moves Devonta Smith off the ball because Devonta Smith can't win man-to-man coverage. He's too small. The guy weighs 160 pounds trying to get off press man. Their whole offense is going to be just running play-action RPO slants to A.J. Brown. The offense is not going to be that different from what you saw in Tennessee. Another team, I want to get your take on these guys. Mm-hmm. The Green Bay Packers. Number one seed, they were 13-4. and four. Mm-hmm. Lose Devontae Adams. They have literally nothing at wide receiver right now. You've got Alan Lazard. You've got Christian Watson. Another rookie, Romeo Dubes. Who are we throwing? Oh, Sammy Watkins isn't going to save him. There's no way in the world, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, he can pull that team and be 13 and 4. I think they make the playoffs. Aaron is a transitional player. And just because on paper those players don't really stand out, Sammy Watkins is going to have his best season this year because Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing him the ball. What, per six games he plays? Whatever. If he stays on the field. Sammy always blows up week one. That's true. That's DFS player. If he can stay healthy, Sammy Watkins is going to have a breakout season over 1,200 yards this year with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the 
ball because Aaron Rodgers is that good of a quarterback. As great as Tom Brady is, as great as Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that can step on the field every single week, no matter who is on the field playing with him. He makes it look so easy. It's remarkable how good he really is. I think there's just something about him that just makes him special. All the great quarterbacks of our time, Joe Montana. Yeah, Joe Montana had weapons, but there was just something about him. Steve Young, John Elway, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Peyton Manning. There's something about this guy that just stands out from all the rest. It don't matter who he's throwing to. You can have the donut man, Mr. Softy, have him on the field. He's going to find a way to score. They're going to find a way to score and win. And they have a very good running game. Dylan's there and they're good, dynamic running team. I kind of see them more as they're going to be a different type of team, but they're still going to win the division type they'll team. They'll win 11 games. But they're going to be a little different. They're going to be more of a running tight end, I think, oriented offense. More of what LaFleur did in Tennessee. More than you saw the three wide receiver sets that they used to do a lot when McCarthy was there. And the defense is still going to be very strong, too. Look how good they were last year with all those injuries. Mm-hmm. We can stay in that same division. I've been on record, and I said the number one running back in fantasy this year is going to be Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook stays healthy, Dalvin Cook, new offense, we're going to get out of the Stone Age with Mike Zimmer, use Dalvin Cook out of the backfield even more, 11 personnel more, you're going to have the three wide receivers on the field, KJ Osborne, nice super deep sleeper for folks out there, oh, yeah. be playing in the slot. I just love Dalvin Cook this year, and I think if you can get him into the first round, early second, maybe pair him with C.D. Lamb, that's how you win in fantasy football. All the hype is all, Jonathan Taylor. Only one person's going to get Jonathan Taylor. you got to have a plan B. So my recommendation to folks is Delvin Cook this year. He's been, for the last three years in my big drafts, Dalvin Cook has been my number one pick. And Mm -hmm. every year, he looks great the first five or six games, and then he gets hurt. Screws Basically, the last two seasons, he only missed two games. Getting a little better. Yeah, but when he came back from those injuries, he wasn't the same player. Plays through a lot of injuries. He comes out. I remember last year, he's playing. You're wondering, like, is he going to play through the game? Mm -hmm. Is Madison going to play? He's always got some ankles, some soft tissue injury. I trust the modern offense to make it more. They were stuck at so many bad The only guy that doesn't really get hurt until last year is Derrick Henry. And that's the guy, Mm -hmm. if you're drafting in the first round and he have a chance to draft him. You know Derrick Henry is going to get the beast. He's going to get the touches. He's going to get the yardage. He's the guy you're going to draft. If you're getting a number one pick, you draft Derrick Henry. That's almost a guarantee that he's going to get you 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. Speaking of like top five area picks, where do you stand on Austin Eckler? Because a lot of people loved him last year and it was worth the value of where he went like in the late first round. Kind of had him in that top three area, but also they drafted Isaiah Spiller. So where do you stand on him? Yeah. People say every year, oh, they're going to find a big back to take carries off of Austin Eckler. And when you look at Austin Eckler, what does it come down to with him? The guy scores touchdown. And if he doesn't have the nose for the end zone that he had last year when he had 12 touchdowns, then he's not going to pay off for you. Touchdowns are so fluky. Yes. So Austin Eckler's a guy I love because he does what you want your running back to do, and it's catch passes out of the backfield. The guy had 70 receptions last year. So anytime you get a running back who's going to get damn near 100 targets, you're all about it. But is he going to have 20 total touchdowns again? Probably not. But if you're playing for upside and you can get Austin Eckler fifth overall, that's where you're in that ballpark. Do I want Austin Eckler? Do I want Delvin Cook? Mm. Do I want Derrick Henry? Austin Eckler, I think the reason you give him the nod, though, is just because the chance for him to catch all those passes, especially if you're in a PPR league, but there's no way in the world he scores 20 touchdowns. If you're in a full PPR league, you want a running back who's going to catch passes. You still can win taking a wide receiver in the first round. You know, you can win taking Justin Jefferson in the middle of your first round. You can win with Jamar Chase. Even if 
you want to take Travis Kelsey, who I think is just going to have a dynamic year yes. because there's no Tyreek Hill anymore. You're just you know, the injuries and the flukiness of the touchdowns. Let's go back to Austin Eckler. The year prior, yes, he got hurt. He only played in 10 games. He had three touchdowns. The year before that, 11 total touchdowns. But you can't count on a 20-touchdown season. It's very James Connerish, And I'm a big James Conner guy. If you follow me on Twitter at Drake Fantasy, I've been pumping James Conner up all offseason. The reason I like James Conner, he's going to get a role in the pass game this year because Chase Edmonds is out of town. And those are the high-value touches in fantasy football. Every <laughs> target is worth like 1.5 carries in fantasy football. So when you're looking at a running back in your league, think to yourself, does he play on third down? Does he catch passes? If the answer to that is no, don't draft that guy. <laughs> Let me ask you, Errol, about Brees Hall here, because I'm going to be coming up in the Scott Fishbowl. Brees Hall is going to be on the board. The Jets traded up, made him the highest selected running back in the history of the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. There's no way they come out and split carries with him and Michael Carter. That's always what happens. We see, the, oh, we're going to give this guy time to get his feet underneath them. No, I want Brees Hall to be freaking LaDainian Tomlinson from day one. <laughs> I think Brees Hall's going to get the majority of the touches. They're going to have a three-headed monster. Coleman's still there. He's going to be the veteran guy that's going to help these guys grow. Michael Carter had a very good second half of the season before he got hurt. He started figuring things out. I saw him see the field a little bit differently. Michael Carter's a good player. I think he's going to be that catchback that's going to catch the ball. I think Brees Hall's going to be the beast. He's going to be running the rock. He can catch the ball behind the field. But I believe Brees Hall, if it's not the beginning of this year, by the end of the year, he will get the majority of the touches. But Michael Carter's going to still be touching the ball. They're going to be a run first, run second, throw third type of team. As we know, what Shanahan likes to do and McVay likes to do, open up the play action, and if the Jets are successful this year offensively, they're going to have to run the ball efficiently. And they have two good young backs that could turn out to be breakout backs for fantasy and for the New York Jets. I want to see Zach Wilson get the ball to these running backs mm -hmm. in space because you can look at Michael Carter and the receptions he had last year and Ty Johnson and all those guys, but those weren't games Zach Wilson was playing. Michael Carter had some game. It was just out of control. What was that guy's name? Their quarterback they brought in. Mike White. Uh, yeah, White. Mm -hmm. And he looked great. Remember for like a game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, against like, the Bengals. This, the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. He might be the guy. This might be a quarterback controversy Jeff here in New York. Fans, and then what always happens with these backup quarterbacks, they have to play a second week and they look like absolute trash. I'm not rubbing salt in the wounds here, but it had to be insane that Bucks jets game. Oh, yeah. When the Jets had the lead and then Brady brings them all the way back at the end. I was actually happy that the Jets lost. It would have hurt their draft, draft stock. I've always been of the mindset, if we're not going to win the Super Bowl, I want the first damn pick. There's no in between. I don't want to have the 12th pick in the draft. That's not helping me. Like, be terrible or be great. There's no gray area in the NFL. I expect Baltimore with a contract year for Lamar Jackson and with the talent that they added in the offseason with the draft and free agency. I expect them to be a very hard team to beat. They win the division hands down in the North. So injured last year. Mm -hmm. And still won eight games, but Lamar's playing for a contract. It's ludicrous that they're going into this final year here without a contract. Well, because he's his own agent. If he had a real agent, Lamar Jackson signed, but Lamar, he's got a problem with social media. After the playoffs, he said what he said and did that video thing. The problem with Lamar Jackson is he's so caught up with the social media. These athletes need to step away from that and just do what you have to do to get your contracts because an athlete can make as much as they want.
want. I don't care. Football players, it should be guaranteed money. NBA, it's ridiculous how much. Do you know the lowest paid NBA player on a 14-team roster is making almost $3 million? The NBA is crazy. When I hear these Woj bombs and they're like, make up a name. And this guy just signed for $200 million in the NBA. I'm like, that's not even a real person. That's a character from Arrested Development. Teach your kids to shoot. Put a hoop up in the yard because those guys get paid. Total value of contract. Lamar Jackson, 35th overall. Again, that's because he's playing on the final year of his contract and he was the last pick in the first round. His total contract value, he's only made $9 million, is a total contract. Tyrod Taylor has a bigger contract than he does as the backup quarterback for the Giants. Jordan Love's contract contract is bigger. It's unbelievable. Buddy, you better sign, take Dak's contract, $160 million, and say, that's what I want to get. And guarantee it. Give him $130 million guaranteed. You want to jack it up a little bit. You, no one's going to give you Deshaun Watson money. That was a ridiculous contract. Mm-hmm. But you want to be between Dak and Josh Allen. Say, all right, give me $130 million guaranteed. Rock and roll. Let's go. It should be case closed. Go start counting your money. Let's get the guesses from you guys. How many games is Deshaun Watson Six, suspended? Ten. My guess was 12. I would say they're going to come out and say 12, and then it gets bargain down to 8 to 10. I think 6 to 8. I can't see them giving any more, especially when there's no proof that he really even did anything except the three girls that he admitted to, which two out of the three, he has text messages showing that these girls actually wanted, and one of them that he had sex with, supposedly wanted to date him. And that's why he settled with those other girls, even though everybody says, why did he settle? He just wants this over with. He wants to move on. I think that a lot of these girls smelt money. The guy got a big, huge contract. They wanted to cash in on it, especially the way the economy is and the way the market is right now. Everybody's trying to look for free money, and that's why everybody's suing. I think deep down, he's a super horny dude Mm -hmm. that was creeping on chicks on Instagram. Like, if you're a guy who's young, you're 25 years old, and your body is your temple, you don't go out and hire rando chicks on Instagram to give you (laughs) massages when you can have the best professional masseuses give you massages. Did you even see the girls that were massaging him? Most of them were hideous. Maybe that's his thing. (laughs) But Look at his woman. She's gorgeous. Maybe that's his cover. <laughs> Before we let you go, what are your thoughts to this Zach Wilson thing? It seems like everybody on social media, I've listened to podcasts, Jet Podcasts, and they're saying, I don't care what he does. I don't care who he sleeps with. Just play on the field. And I understand that. But if this story is true, which we don't know if it even is, why does anybody care? If anything, if I was a guy talking about sports and stuff on a radio show, I'd say, good job, Zach. Now you get rid of that hot girlfriend of yours and concentrate on the field, not worrying about about who you're dating. Now all of a sudden, Zach Wilson's dating some Instagram model. Zach should be worried about what he's doing on the field. This story is only affecting where this team is going to be this year because if this team has any thought that they're going to be a playoff contending team year in and year out, this man needs to figure it out. And if he doesn't, they're never going anywhere. If he doesn't show up and he doesn't wake up and smell the coffee, they're going nowhere. So this Zach Wilson thing is, who cares? If he did, good luck. Congratulations. She could be your grandmother. I could care less win football games, and nobody's going to care about who you're sleeping with. Has anyone ever Googled Zach Wilson's mom? Zach oh. Wilson's mom is smoking hot. She yeah, absolutely so, hey, is God hot. God bless but... him. This is what happens, though, when it's early July. Yeah. There's no training camp. We 
have nothing to talk about. Once we get with actual camp and there's things to talk about on the field, this will go away. It's so bad for the Jets. You think that the Jets are slowly making moves that are putting them where people are talking about them and saying, like, wow, this organization is going to be good for many, many years. The way Joe Douglas is structuring it. They're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. They're going to be fun to watch this year, being that Carl Lawson's back and Jermaine Johnson's on the other side. And now all of a sudden, this thing comes out. And now you're sitting here and saying, here we go, clown football again. We're back to the Rex Ryan era with the New York Jets on and off the field. Geno Smith getting punched out by his linebacker. <laughs> and this guy's screwing his mother's best friend. This is not good for the Jets. Yeah, he needs to Do I think it's going to go away? Getting better at football. Yeah. You can't be completing 55% of your passes. Yeah. The guy threw nine touchdowns last year. He's got a lot to live up to. I often call Zach Wilson my favorite Disney princess just because he's <laughs> so pretty. But it's going to come down to what can he do on the field. It's a big year in New York with Daniel Jones and with Zach Wilson because mm-hmm. it's the same story with both of them. All the weapons around you are there. You've got the table set for you. Go make a five-course meal. We really appreciate you joining us. We would love to get you on again. Thank you, fellas. I had a good time here. And- you were great, and you gave us some good takes, and we really appreciate you, man. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Brian Drake, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic personality, great person as a whole and a good family man happy to have him on speed he was great great interview great insight for fantasy for football and for radio great combination of everything so if you missed out on this interview check out the replay i mean unless you're a bengals fan because he was taking some shots at cincinnati everybody takes shots at cincinnati for the years now they have joe burrow so what are you gonna attack (laughs) when we come back speedy what do we got crunch time here on the weekend crunch We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Before we get into crunch time, I will say this. This whole Zach Wilson thing has really grown more than one leg. I know you're going to say, well, Zach has two legs. Well, and some people say he has three. I'm not going to tell you what the other leg stands for. But I will say this. These legs that this story is growing has been absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand why the press likes to attack this story more than any other stories that's going on in New York. But I understand that everybody was wondering why Zach Wilson's girlfriend broke up with him at the end of the season last year. or He broke up with her, whoever and whatever happened between them two. But the stories coming out in the last couple of weeks, the reason why Zach Wilson's girlfriend left him was because... She cheated on him with his mother's best friend is ridiculous. And even if it is true, why is it a story? If anything, if you're a young guy or you're a guy, you probably give Zach Wilson props for doing that, sleeping with an older woman. I don't know. As Brian Drake just mentioned in our interview, the NFL literally has not much to talk about right now. So this is the story. And there are teams still like the Jets that the media loves to pick on. And you want to know something? I I don't know if Zach cares what people are saying about him, as I'm sure when OTAs take shape and and Zach Wilson has to answer to the press and the press coverage that he's going to get on this story, I'm very intrigued to hear how he's going to make this a joke, because I think this is funny. I think this is a funny Story And the fact that Zach Wilson's in between it, first of all, and I will say this, 
if I was Zach Wilson's ex-girlfriend, I would try to avoid going on social media. Knowing that, first of all, he's in New York. He plays for the New York Jets. He's the face of the New York Jets organization. Why would she stick up and put up pictures with his ex-BYU roommate, one of his best friends? Why would she and him be posting up things on social media? It just, if anything... She's stupid. She's dumb. I don't care how pretty she is. I How many different things I've read on social media, how beautiful she is. It doesn't matter. It's an embarrassment, not only for the Jets organization, because I know Zach Wilson is not behind this, but for the people around Zach Wilson. I think he's doing the right thing. He's not responding to it on social media. When they brought it up on social media to him, he's like, I lost contact with my phone for a couple of days because I was up in the Alps in Colorado. And then he posted something else about in Idaho with his teammates. Yeah, he doesn't care about this. Even if it is true, which I think it's not, I think she's just spreading rumors because she wants herself to look like she's not the bad guy. But Zach Wilson is very loved and he's beloved here in New York and no matter what he does, as long as he's not doing stuff like Deshaun Watson's doing, right? I would think that they're patting him on the back saying, good job, bud. Keep doing it. Nobody cares. Honestly, and why this became a story and why people are posting up GIFs or whatever they call it on social media, it's ridiculous, it's redundant, and stupid. So I think people just need to take this out of a story. It's not a story anymore. Let's get back into talking about what this team could be this year and what this team could transition to with some of the players that they added in in the draft and free agency. Speedy, what do we got? Crunch time! It's time for Crunch Time! All right, we'll start crunch time this week with the hottest team in baseball, the Seattle Mariners, going for their 14th straight win at the All-Star break. Buy or sell, they will win their last two games. They're against the Texas Rangers on the road. I'm going to sell it. I think if I was the Seattle Mariners right now, you look at the team right now, you look at the position that you're in, I understand you want to keep this streak on. You don't want to go into the second half going into a streak where you're going to go on a, a losing streak. So end the winning streak right now. So you go into the second half and start thinking about making the playoffs. So I'm going to sell that they're not going to finish with the two wins. I'm going to buy it. I think Logan Gilbert pitching today, a big Cy Young candidate, and X-Met, Chris Flexen going tomorrow. I think that drought will come out of the All-Star break. They'll lose the momentum, then kind of stumble a little bit, and then gain their groove later. I still think they will make the playoffs. I am going to buy it. All right, buy or sell. The big trade of last week in the NHL. Alex Debrinkit to the Ottawa Senators. Buy or sell, that makes them a playoff team. They're going to be a really good young team this year. They're going to be fun to watch, fast, speedy. they got a good young goalie. Hey, speedy, I like that. <laughs> I think they're one year short of making the playoffs, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. So I'm going to sell that they're not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to sell it, too. I think they could be a wild card team, maybe. It just depends on Florida, too, because they have a lot of negative salary cap right now. If they lose pieces, maybe they take their spot. The Bruins will probably dip a little bit, but they might still be a playoff team. The Lightning are really the only definitive team in that division, so it's possible. But I yeah, think the Bruins are going to take a huge halt. I mean, bringing in the coach that they did, yeah. a not a known coach, a young coach, I don't know what they're thinking, the Boston Bruins, right. with a veteran team. So so I think it depends on Florida. Like, if they start to lose pieces, I could see Ottawa taking that spot. Especially I think the Islanders. They had an offensive piece. They're going to make the playoffs this yeah. year. So it's going to be very hard for a young team as good and as fast as Ottawa is this year to make the playoffs. But I think they're going to be fun to watch and they're going to surprise a lot of people this year. So we agree. I'm going to sell that one as well. Buy or sell. Kevin Durant will be traded back to the Golden State Warriors. I think that's the only move they can make. I'm going to buy. If he does get traded, it is Golden State. It's Golden State or bust. 
So I'm going to buy that he does. I'm going to sell it. Once DeAndre Ayton got signed, I think Phoenix is doing everything they can now, even if they have to overspend, especially now that they realize, oh, Golden State is rumored to him too. I don't think they're going to let him go to Golden State. I think they're too smart. Ryan McDonough is a very good GM for the Suns. I am going to sell it. All right, one football one. Lamar Jackson will not be signed before the start of the season. That's a definite. He's not. I think if he has a good season this year, I expect him to get the contract that he wants. Remember, he's his own agent, which is stupid by him because he doesn't only have to worry about the field. He's got to worry about things off the field and producing and getting the contract that he wants. So I am going to sell that he doesn't have a contract before the season starts. I'm going to disagree. I think he will have a contract before the season starts. I think that it's just a matter of the Ravens front office being very stingy at the moment. But I think at some point they're going to realize that they're not a good quarterback franchise and they're going to have to get this thing done. I think maybe they're waiting on Kyler Murray to sign, maybe to get a market value because they're very similar types of players. But I'll say he will. I, I think he, he won't be it. signed either. They're getting better, though, from what we're hearing. But yes, who knows with the Cardinals. I, I know that's what they want, but I don't think they will. Yeah. Nevertheless, I am going to sell it. All right. Buy or sell. Rangers or the Islanders will trade for Patrick Kane. It's not going to be the Rangers. Maybe the Islanders. I'm going to sell it. I have not heard Patrick Kane in the Islanders' voices or anything in Lou or some of the rumors coming out from the Islanders' organization. And I don't think the Rangers. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it, too. I feel like the Blackhawks are going to sell short somewhere else, too, even if it is somebody in the Western Conference. I think the Islanders, if Lou Lamorell is going to do it, they might try to try to flee some, but I think they're going to get somebody else before that. I think the Blackhawks are going to be, like, too patient with Patrick Kane and lose value, so I'm going to sell it. All right, one more. Pete Alonso will win his third straight home run derby. I'm going to sell it. If John Carlos Stanton is what he was in 2016, they're lobbing balls to this guy. This guy hits the balls harder than any player in baseball. It's a fact. Go look at the numbers. They don't lie. The two deepest home runs this year were from Giancarlo Stanton. I think Giancarlo going into this is trying to make a statement, give the Yankees another home run champion. Pete Alonso does not win his third at straight. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. As much as I'm going to root for him as a Mets fan, I also think Kyle Schwarber is a name to watch for that too. Yes, I think that him being the pull hitter that he is, Dodger Stadium generally better fit, benefits a little more with the lefty than the righty hitters. I think he'll strive there. I, I think he's built for this so kind of event. you got Schwarber. I got Schwarber, yeah. I, he tried it once when he was a young player. I, I think he got knocked out in the first round. So again, stamina might be a, a concern with him, but I think he's the way he's swinging his swing. I can't see Giancarlo Stanton losing something like this. I mean, you're lobbing balls to a power hitter that likes to smack him all over the field. We've seen this guy jack balls 500 feet. It's ridiculous. Now, Pete Alonso's a power hitter too, and so is Schwarber. I think he's trying to make a statement here. That's what I think he's trying to do. I think the fact that Pete Alonso's trying to have his third in a row, which I don't think he's ever been done before. No, it hasn't. I think he's trying to step in to kind of ruin that for him. Okay, so that's fair. I think there's a reason why he's going into the home run derby this year. It's going to be fun. This is going to be probably more fun to watch than the last few years because you got three or four significant power hitters. Right. I would have loved to see Aaron Judge in this one too. Yeah. It would have been fun. Aaron Judge wasn't the one in Miami that John Carlos was picking him to win because it was his park. Yeah. So he would have been used to it. He gets knocked out in the first round by Gary Sanchez. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. This can be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. That's my favorite part of the All-Star game to watch is the mm-hmm. home run derby. Face it off to see who wins the home run championship. Yep. Anyways, great show, ladies and gentlemen. I would like to thank Sirius and fantasy football radio show host Brian Drake for joining us. Fantastic guy. Had a great conversation with radio and a uh, big fan of us, and we're a big fan of his, and we really appreciate everything and all the support he gives us over there upstate New York and Syracuse. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so thank you to Brian Drake. Thank you to Moneyline Mania and Chaz. He's feeling better. He's taking care of himself. He's had some heart issues over the last couple of weeks, and we're really happy that he we have him back, and hopefully we'll have World Wide West, and congratulations to World Wide yes, West. Absolutely. His wife is a few days away from having her first baby. World Wide West is a year older than me. He's 41 years old, and he's having his first, so good for him. I'm happy for him. He, he works really, really hard, and he plays even harder, as yes. he says. So uh, shout out to World Wide West. Uh, shout out to all the fans that listen to us throughout the country, throughout the 103.9 family. We really appreciate everything that you guys do and the support that you give us. This is why we do it, and we really appreciate everybody from the guys over there in charge of 103.9 FM and all of New York and Long Island that support it. We'll be back next week. Keep listening to us as we are the voices of sports radio. Yes, in all of New York. And that's not taking shots of ESPN or CBS, but who's better than us? Come and get it. We'll be back next week. Good night.